You should never say it's not for me. You should never say it's too big for me. If you're willing and you go with the sort of attitude and with the mindset that teach me, I'm willing to learn. You can learn anything. The cash that you're making doesn't make you successful. For me, the lives that you're changing is what makes you successful. I see the walls before me. I feel the cages forming. Seems like the world is falling, but I keep my head up the ground. I see the world before me. I know what change is coming. I hear the world is calling, so I keep my head up the ground. We break into everything. We break into Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner, where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions, and most importantly, opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. We break into Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner where we step out of faith and deep ideas. I am your host, Joyce Donkor. Today we have an amazing guest. She's our Barrier Breaker of the month of May 2022. She's Renee Q. Boateng, and I'm so glad that she's here. I'm super grateful. I am excited. You can see it on my face if you are on here. (laughs) She's a self-development and empowerment queen, personal branding consultant, talk show host of the Renee Q. Show, founder of Butterflies and Pearls that's encouraging women in waiting. You can see that she's a woman of many hats, doing so many things in the community, impacting the world around her, everyone. Like, I've just been following her for a while now, and it's been amazing the things you do. Please, Renee, introduce yourself. Oh, Joyce, thank you so, so much. It's such an honor as well to be invited on. Well done for what you're doing. And I'm so honored to be the woman of May. (laughs) Hi, everybody. But you said it all. When you were talking about me, I was actually smiling. (laughs) Thank you so much. I am a woman of faith as well. And I just believe that I have a purpose. Some people sometimes say, I found my purpose and then that's it. But your purpose can also change according to times and seasons. So when sometimes people ask me, what I'm going to be doing in the next five years or so, that's something I cannot answer because that's according to what the Lord asked me to do and I'm just obeying. So my life has really, really been very interesting from different steps and all of that. And I just give glory to God. It's been very interesting. That's amazing. The first time I encountered Renee was in 2020. I was actually in a very dark situation and I was going through social media on Denta Amorting MBE on Instagram and I came across a video that she had posted about you. It was so encouraging. I was so drawn to you from that video. I think you were in London at that time or so and you were waiting for a friend in a waiting room and somebody came to sit with you and that's how you got a job. I don't know whether you remember that story, if you could dive into it, if you do remember <laughs> I definitely do. Yeah. That was my first job after graduating from university at Canton, Canterbury. After I graduated, I moved to London and I was looking for a job. I actually wanted like a corporate job. A lot of people after graduation will just start something to just keep them going. So they went back into retail or go and work in a shop, restaurant, anything. And I just thought, no, 
I finished it. I did retail when I was a student, summer jobs and things like that. And I just felt like I don't want to go back to that. I've finished now. I'm ready to step out. I was waiting for a job and I registered in a job agency that was around the corner from where I lived at the time. And so I had to fill a form. And whilst I was filling a form, I just noticed this lovely lady looking at me and she kept looking at me and I was smiling at her. So I finished and she came up to me and she said, oh, she actually owns the agency. It's actually her business. And she said she was looking for a PA. So whilst trying to find me a job, would I mind volunteering, like working part-time as happy whilst they find me a job? Because she just said she just loved my countenance and how I looked and all that. So just to help her out as well. And I thought, why not? That is a job. That is a corporate job because I wanted to work in an office, basically. Yeah. I started that and I wasn't doing anything at home anyway. So that was also really good. I wanted to work to an office and not a shop. So I said, that's fine. And it was a great job. It was also my dress sense. What I was sharing that day on Dentas, what Dentas shared, I should say, was about me talking about how it's so important for us to pay attention to our image Mm. and how image really can get you places or it can take you out. When you are seen, the first thing is your image, what you look like. And unfortunately, as human and natural as we are, will judge according to image. So somebody will see immediately and think, oh, this is a well put together lady or this is a businesswoman or this is a professional woman or this is a slay queen, whatever. I mean, they'll look at you and then they'll just assume whatever based upon how you look. Yeah. I just love to dress. I just love style and all that. And I've always had a sort of professional way of professional style, if you call it that. So as I was working with her as her PA, I'll always go to work well-dressed and my colleagues will always be teasing me because they'll be in jeans and a t-shirt and all that because we're working. It wasn't like a front office job. We were behind the scenes. So you could work anything basically, but I was always very particular. So yeah. there was one instance where they had booked for somebody to go for an interview at a top company. That company was one of their best clients. Unfortunately, the morning of that interview, the lady who was supposed to go for the interview called in and said, She'd found another job, so she can't make it. Mm-hmm. So I was also so stressed. She was like, oh, no, I can't disappoint them. This is such a big interview. And this, this, that. She was just going on and on. And she says, Renee, Renee, listen, you look the part and everything. Just go for the interview. You're not going to get it anyway because it's not even in your area. Because it wasn't in my area at all. Right. <laughs> She's saying that was not even anything offensive because it's almost like maybe you study drama and then the job for medicine, for example. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, you're not capable of, but you don't even know anything about, about that. it. Yeah. Yes. So she said, listen, I can't say to them that the lady can't come anymore. So just go and fill in and just go and do the interview and just smile and answer the questions and everything. You won't even get it anyway, but just do that whilst we quickly find somebody else. Yeah, I'm not doing anything. No, I like interesting things. Why not? It gets out of the office. Let's go. I got there. I said, oh, hi, my name is Renee. I'm here for the interview. And they asked me to wait like in a little lounge. And so when I got there, there was this gentleman there drinking his coffee, his eyes all like swollen and looking so tired. So I just picked up conversation. He looked at me and we sort of eyes met. And so I just smiled and I said, oh, but you know, coffee is not what you need. You really look tired. Like you need to get some rest. Mm-hmm. You know, the British can quite begin a conversation in a minute. You just mentioned EastEnders. You can be talking for two hours. Yes. <laughs> For me saying that, it just builds a conversation. We're just chatting and then he said how he's so busy. And I could also smell smoke, actually. And I was like, oh, and don't be upset with me. But, you know, smoking as well will make you even more tired. Yeah. And then he laughed and said, oh, you can't even try and get me out of that. So we're just chatting, chatting, chatting. We've been chatting for like 15 minutes. I didn't even realize you could talk forever. Bye. I have to go kind of thing. So I said, oh, have a day and all the best and everything. He went. 
So about five minutes after that one lady came and said, oh, it was time for my interview. Mm-hmm. So I went into an office and here was this man scrambling on the table, trying to look for something. So his head was down and he was just scrambling on the table, looking for something. And he lifted his head and it was the man I was speaking to in the, oh, wow. in the lounge. So as soon as he lifted his head, he said, oh my goodness, is it you for the interview? You've got the job. And I thought, no, wow. no, 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 I cannot have the job. Like this was a top company. This was Gillette UK. The position was to be the assistant HRIS manager, assistant human resource informations manager. I studied a bit of human resource, but it wasn't anything that was like a major. And information systems, my goodness, it's not my corner at all. Let me call it my corner. So I just thought, no, in my mind, of course, I didn't say it out to him. What do you mean I've got the job? He said, oh, you could do it. So I actually said, oh, but you know what? Whilst I was waiting, I went through the requirements and all of that. And to be honest, I don't think information systems is my thing. And he said, we'll train you. That's fine. Oh, wow. So I went back to the office and I was like, Margaret, I got the job. She said, what do you mean you got the job? You know, and then everybody was laughing. And we were kind of closing it. It was like a lovely, lovely working environment. Everybody was laughing. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. And I was like, I got the job. I'm supposed to start in 10 days or something. Yeah. And then now she was panicking. Like, goodness, what did you say? You didn't say anything. <laughs> but again, what I'm saying is I was selected to go and filling number one, because I was looking like the position. Yeah. I was looking right. Also, she had worked with me for a long time and she knew my charisma, my persona. She knew how I can speak and all mm-hmm. of that. Renee is a confident person who can go and just step in. Yeah. I could go and I could answer questions and all of that. Now I got there as well and I went and I sat there and networking is so important. Mm. Sometimes it happens. I meet with somebody and we just look away. With women, sometimes there's even an eye roll, like, huh, whatever. Like, <laughs> these have facts and we need to state these facts for us to move on. When I shared that video, I shared it like a case study to talk about image, to talk about networking, just being open to talk to anybody at all. Now, that gentleman I was talking to was the head of HR for Gillette Europe, not London, UK, but the whole of Europe. That was my first night flight business class. I went to Germany. They paid for my training. I was the assistant HRIS manager. And I used to train staff on a program called SAP. I had never heard of SAP before. I was like, what's SAP? <laughs> so, so, so we're going to talk about SAP. I was like, SAP, what is, I didn't even know anything about it. And also being open-minded, you should never say I cannot. Yeah. You should never say no. You should never say it's not for me. You should never say it's too big for me. If you're willing and you go with the sort of attitude and with the mindset that teach me, I'm willing to learn. You can learn anything. There are people with degrees, multi-degrees, PhDs, whatever, that are not doing anything. And there are people who probably have up to high school level of education. And because of their passion and their determination, their willingness to learn, sometimes just Google and YouTube, they are making amazing things right now. So we must limit ourselves at all. And how we put ourselves together, our image and everything is also part of limiting ourselves. Yeah, that's so true. Put yourself together. If you don't look after yourself, self-care, you don't value yourself, you don't see your worth. And you don't put yourself well together. You are limiting yourself. Yeah. 
listen, I could go on and on. Let me leave you to ask me questions. <laughs> That's such an amazing story. When you talk about your image and how you dress, it reminds me of when I just started working in corporate America in US. And the company I used to work for, it was just about four or five people. I think I was the most dressed, apart from the owner of the company that was working. I would go to work dressed with my high heels. These people would come with jeans and things. When I entered the office to work for the first day, I was so well dressed. The manager had to tell me like, please don't dress like this. Just dress normal because he said people think that you are the manager instead of me. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> I couldn't dress down because everything that it was in my wardrobe was dressed for office. Like, I didn't know how to dress. Even from back home in the Gambia when I was working at the bank, you have to be well dressed. There was nothing like dressing down or anything. So I was so used to that. I thought it was a safe here. But when you come here, it's like t-shirts and jeans and you're okay, you can go. But I'm still not used to that way of dressing. And so your image is so important, like you said. I want you to tell us how you got to this point of just be able to empower people, empower women, especially branding. Now with your show, the Rene Q show, like tell us how you got here. Because how long do we have to speak? <laughs> but listen, it's just like from what I said in the beginning, I'll say follow your heart. Yeah. Okay. That's one thing I'll say to everybody listening right now. Follow your heart. Your heart speaks to you. Most of the time we are thinking about our minds. We are asking mm. questions. You are thinking in your mind, in your brain, right? So you think it's from your mind, but really the answers come from your heart. Follow your heart. I can say this a hundred times. So I finished university. I actually wanted to work in the World Bank. When I was young, one of my favorite uncles, he worked at the World Bank and he used to come on holidays. He would live with us and he'd be told, oh, you know, another the World Bank, another World Bank. And all I was hearing was about the World Bank. And he would tell us stories about the World Bank. From a very young age, I said, I work at the World Bank. When I grow up, I'll work at the World Bank. So I thought that that was my dream and that was my goal. And that was where I was heading towards. I was fantastic with maths. It wasn't a problem. Even in high school and all of that. I went to like business administration and finance. My first job, like I said, was in Gillette, UK. I was still in the UK after studying. So I worked with Gillette for about a year or so. And of course, love brought me back home because I met my husband and he was living in Ghana. I wasn't comfortable with long distance relationship and everything. And I always wanted to move and go back, but I sort of was waiting for a reason. Mm -hmm. And I had like a great reason to go back home. So I moved and went back to Ghana and I was so happy. And my first job was in a bank. Because I sort of knew that, well, I won't just enter World Bank like that. I need to get some experience. I need to grow. I need to rise. So I got a job in a bank here and I was fantastic at my job. I have to say, and another thing, please never push yourself down. Don't think you're being humble. Mm. I don't know, trying to reduce who you are. If you're fantastic at something, please say it. And if you are not as well, there's not a problem. You can also learn. My job was a fantastic job. When I went for the interview, they were looking at me like, who is she and where did she come from? Because I went telling them what I would be able to do for them. The bank had just opened in Ghana at the time. It was an international bank. They had only about 15 staff. So I think I was the 16th person. And they were trying to get into the banking industry, which is a huge industry here in Ghana. And I went telling them ways by which we can make an impact. And I was doing such a fantastic job, doing like presentations three times a week. I was in charge of total quality manager, how we can grow and make a difference and how we can set ourselves apart and all that. Even though I was so good at it, I wasn't happy. Mm. I wasn't fulfilled. I mean, I could do it, but it doesn't give me any excitement really mm -hmm. to do mm -hmm. it. 
And so then I started asking myself, ah, is this really what I want? I don't even think that, I'm not sure if banking is really, I think when I entered it and I thought, oh, this is not really me. I mean, I've always been a very creative person. That's just a gift from God. I can just create things. When I moved to Ghana at the time, there weren't any stores that sold colorful cosmetic jewelry. At the time, anything you could get to buy when it came to jewelry in Ghana was gold, which is real gold or silver. Now, real gold, even at that time, it wasn't even creative pieces. It was just a Dinkra symbols. So if you're getting those earrings, if you're Ghanaian, you know what I mean with those symbols. Look at your small GME earring or something with the matching pendant. And that was like the style of jewelry at the time. Or then it would be silver, also easy tarnishes. Or if you're wearing beads even, it would be the local traditional beads that will have just an elastic band in it. And I, when I was in the UK, would always, I had accessories to match my clothing. There were so many stores I could go to. Sometimes I would go with my clothes and go and pick matching pieces. When I came, I realized there's nothing like that here. Why don't I just make my own? Mm-hmm. I started making jewelry for myself. And when I was working in the bank and anybody would compliment maybe a piece I was wearing, because I made it myself, I'll just give it out as a gift. I'll say, oh, you can have it. You can have it. But when at the time I decided that, no, this banking thing is not for me and I resigned also because of another issue that I wanted to discuss right now, but something in that I thought, mm, this is not my environment. And I left and I was asking myself, oh, what will I do? At the time, I think I was 22. When I finished university, I think I was like 19 or 20. And then I moved to Ghana when I was 21 or so, worked for about a year that was 22. And I was asking myself, what do I want to do? My dad called me a week after I told him I had resigned. And then he said, I've got you another job at a bank. You know that thing? Are you Ghanaian? I am. I know just what you're saying. <laughs> okay. So you know the system here. If your father or your mother knows somebody, that's it. You that's know, they it. Yeah. your job and all that. But I said to my dad, it's not like I'm looking for another banking job. Number one, it's not like I was fired. I left the banking industry because that is not for me. So he said, what are you going to do then? And I said, I'm still thinking about it. I'll let you know. Mm-hmm. Now, when I realized at the time that that was a niche market, colorful, contemporary, beautiful pieces of jewelry that were not as expensive as the gold that you buy. Not everybody can afford that. Universities mm-hmm. yeah. can afford that. Young workers cannot afford that. And look at the fabrics as well that we wear. The African print is so colorful. One piece can have seven colors. So you just pick one of the colors from the fabric and accessorize with that. That was a big niche market at the time. At the time that I started it, nobody was doing that here. There was nothing like that you could find. The kind of quality of pieces I started making like crystal and all of that. So there was one time a lady complimented me on something I was wearing. At the time I wasn't working. So just jokingly, I said, okay, do you want to pay? And I mentioned an amount, let's say five CDs. I said, okay, do you want to? No, actually it wasn't five CDs. Let's say 50 CDs. I said, you want it for 50 CDs? She said, yes. And then she was willing to pay. And my mind also opened to the fact that, ah, so will people actually pay me for my pieces that I have handmade myself? So I made a couple of pieces, about 12 pieces or so. And then I showed them to one lady and she bought like six. And immediately she called her friend. She said, you wouldn't even know what I've just discovered. These beautiful pieces, blah, blah, blah. Her friend wanted to see it. And I was just selling from a basket. And one thing I'd like to say to people listening now who are probably looking for something to do, look around you, find what are people looking for? What are people yearning for? Sometimes it's not there yet. 
But you know, it's something that if it's there, will make a difference. You make that difference. You start it. So many people are just following and copying people's businesses. So somebody has this business, then you sit behind and start calculating their profits for them, just thinking, mm, this one will be good. Oh, let me also do it. Then you go and copy. Why don't you look around for something that hasn't been done yet or something that is needed? You can be the one who implement that. And so that's what I started doing. And when it was getting bigger and bigger, then I started traveling. I started going to Dubai. I was going to Shanghai. I was going to Hong Kong. I get pieces. At the time, I was 22, 23. I remember my auntie saying to me, oh, educated women like you, and you're going to China. China is for the Makola women. I actually had people say that to me. Wow. <laughs> my dad was very, very upset with me. He was very disappointed. He said I disappointed him. You know, he's paying so much for my education. I'm just here and I'm just selling beads. And he so belittled it. And I can say this confidently now because it was all part of my growth. Mm. A sort of development where we need to come to a sense of development in our culture. I said to myself, Daddy, because you paid so much for my education and I've been exposed and I've actually lived abroad and everything, I can come and make a difference with what I'm doing. Right. At the time, he didn't understand it. My dad didn't talk to me for like a year. Anytime I would call him, he would just like, let me call you back. I'm busy and blah, blah, blah. Because he thought I'd wasted his money. But when you saw what the Rene Q brand became, so I started with Rene Q accessories. When all like the ministers and the diplomats, the wives mm. of diplomats, Rene Q accessories. When he would have his ambassador friends come in and his friends would say to him that their wives have asked that they get them pieces from Ghana, from Rene Q. He say, are you the Rene Q they're asking for? <laughs> like, I'm like, daddy, that's only why Rene Q and that's me. Do you tell them that I'm your father? Do you tell them that I'm your father? Now this, he is ever so proud of me. Now there's another thing to say that sometimes let our parents push us to do something that we don't want to. And sometimes if even it will hurt them a little bit or it will make them a bit disappointed in us for a little bit, as long as we know that we can make the best of it, let's give them that time to see what we can become. And trust me, they will become ever so proud of us again. I could have easily said, oh, no, 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 I don't want to hit him. But I knew the vision was in my head. It was in my mind. It was in my heart. I knew where I was going. I mean, packaging. Uh, At the time, you buy something, they just put it in a black rubber bag for you. There's no branding on it. There's no labeling on it. What is it? Where is it from? Nobody knows. Yeah, yeah. Some pieces that I would sell, that the packaging was more expensive than the product itself. Mm -hmm. But it was the statement I was making. Yeah. I'll travel and go abroad. I'll open my eyes and I'm looking at what can I bring back home. And the high level A quality standard you see when you travel, bring that back home. A lot of people go out and see the best, but will bring less back home because, oh, it's just Ghana or it's just wherever. I'm saying Ghana because I'm from Ghana, so I'm using the name of my country. But picture this, wherever you are from, when you go out, when you are blessed to have the opportunity to go out and explore and you are coming back, come back with even more. Don't come back with less. When I went to a factory in China and I went to order something. And you know, listen, China has the best of things. People say that China is not under the list. And I've been to China more than 50 times in my life. When I tell you the quality is what you ask for. I remember I went to this factory one time. I showed them something that I wanted. They showed me samples. And I looked at the best sample they had. And I said, don't you have better? 
they'll show you like let's say they have five grades so i looked at the topmost grade and i said don't you have a better one than this the man was very surprised that i said i was from ghana he said many people from your country come they want very very low quality i said i'm not many people i'm different right Do you know that they had something better than that but they showed me their five because i was from africa in quotes the higher levels they had kept for maybe if europeans come yeah so they show me the best that they had and I asked them, I said, you have the best. And they gave me the best. And that's how I began my brand. Your brand has to be associated with quality. Mm-hmm. That's what sets the standard. True. People are buying Gucci and buying Chanel and all of that and all of that. They are very, very highly expensive. But guess what? You can carry it for 20 years and nothing will have a bag. Yeah. In a way, yes, you are paying for the name. You are paying for the brand. But you're also paying for very, very good quality. When we are doing things, whatever it is you're doing, and I don't know who I'm speaking to right now, trust me, please, 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 when I say this, do the best. Yeah. Be the best. And that is what will even make your brand stand out. I mean, people will try other things. They'll go around, they'll come back and they'll say, no, I want yours. Yours is much, much, much Mm -hmm. better. But I started with Renekew Accessories. Listen, I can go on and on. I went into clothing. I came up with an idea of wearing the African print fabric. I loved it so much, but I didn't like the way we were wearing that. At the time, I thought that the style was too impending. It was too grown up. And it was always Kaba and Slit. <laughs> Kaba Slit and Akataswa. <laughs> and I just thought, oh, it's nice. I'll dress like that when I'm much older and all mm-hmm, that. But now, mm-hmm. I'm just young, early 20s. I still want to wear it. How can I wear it in a way that I don't have to wear the full outfit like that? So one day I took the sleeves of the t-shirt. Then I made puff sleeves with the African print fabric and I made a belt and I wore it with jeans. And it was like, hello, they wanted to rip it off me. Oh my goodness, where is this from? Where is this from? And I thought, oh, is this something that you buy? Yes. And that's how Renee King Bespoke started. I started making African print t-shirts. That was amazing. I was having clients. I did a show in Washington, D.C. I had clients everywhere. Foreigners will come in and they will come to my store. They will come and buy my T-shirts. They will come and buy my accessories. It was just beautiful and I was enjoying it. Now, people started coming to me and asking, how do you do this? And I started talking to them. Little did I know that at the time, those talks I was giving was actually coaching. But I didn't read as coaching. I didn't even know what coaching was at the time. Yeah. Give them my time and I'll talk them through setting up your business, setting up a standard for your business, packaging, your branding, all of that, all of that. And I'll just be talking from my experience and from what I've seen abroad. My store was mainly for ladies. Now, the ladies will come, they look at me and who did your makeup? Oh my goodness, who did your makeup? And I was like, I did it myself. Are you kidding me? What products do you use? Now, listen, for all those looking for something to do, people will tell you what you should do. Ears on the ground. You will hear what is needed. Because if one, two, three people are mentioning the same thing and you look around, it's not that's a niche market for you. At the time as well, when it came to makeup, there weren't any professionally trained makeup artists. There were spas that were doing like facial treatments and all of that, but we're not specialized in professional makeup. At the time, if you were getting married, it would be your mother, your mother-in-law, or the pastor's wife or somebody like that who would do your makeup. They would come with their makeup. <laughs> so if they were lighter or darker than you, so sorry about that. You didn't have that natural looking makeup that mm-hmm. people were seeing on me and were like, ooh and oh. So when I started hearing that, a lot of people are asking, Mm-mm, 
I quickly went back to the UK. I went to do a professional course. I became an internationally certified makeup artist. I came back to Ghana with tons of products, different colors and all of that to come and offer that. And I became a makeup artist. So now I had my Renekew accessories, which was running. I had my Renekew bespoke. I had like my little factory, my workers on there. I'll still be doing the stitching and all of that. I had very good retail assistants in my office and now I was a makeup artist. There was no Saturday that I wasn't fully booked. Saturday, Sunday. At that time, people would only do makeup on their wedding day. Now, do makeup to say they are going to a wedding. They are not the bride. At the time, it was mainly like for brides. Right. I'm telling you, Joyce, there was a time that people would call me and ask me when I'm available before they set their wedding date. Oh, wow. Oh, seriously. I mean, till today, I see people. I met a lady at a conference last week. I sat beside her. And again, this is me with my network. And at a point, I said, oh, hi, how are you doing? My name is Renee. She told me her name. She said, are you Renee Q? And I said, she said, oh, 10 years ago, I reached out to you for my wedding, but you were fully booked. I was like, oh, I'm so, so sorry. If you know the number of people that till today, I'm still apologizing to. I'm still apologizing to them that I wasn't able to do their makeup. The number of people as well who also come up to me to say, you did my makeup 12 years ago. You did my makeup seven years ago. It just makes me so proud. Yeah. It just makes me so happy and so proud of what I had done. Yeah. I thought it was nothing, but it actually changed their lives in a way. It just goes back to what you were saying, follow your heart. And you were just following your heart all the way through. That's it. I realized at the point that I was doing more talking than selling. Many people were coming to my shop to see me. And I realized that they weren't buying, but they were just coming to talk to me. So coming to ask me questions, ladies would come to me and they would start pouring out their hearts to me, telling me things they were going through. Sometimes as they are talking to me, I'm thinking, God, what should I say? Because this is getting deep in my mind. I'm thinking, where did this come to? Somebody might come in and I'll just say to them, oh, look, you're so beautiful. And then they'll just burst out in tears. Oh, my husband has never said this to me. I'm going through such a tough time. So people were coming to talk to me and I was not selling. So I was not making money. A time came where my business sort of plateaued and then it sunk. I wasn't making the physical cash that I was seeing as success. And that's another thing. The cash that you're making doesn't make you successful. Yeah. For me, the lives that you're changing is what makes you successful. At the time, I was much, much younger and I wasn't thinking in that way at all. For me, I was thinking about how much am I taking to the bank? And when I wasn't making as much money, I began to panic. Mm. And I said, God, what's happening? What am I not doing right? Talk to me. And I just kept saying, God, speak to me, speak to me. He was speaking to me through these people that were coming to me. So at a point, what he wanted me to do was to encourage his women. But I didn't hear it. The thing about Christians or spiritual people, sometimes we ask, but we already have the answer we want to hear. When that answer is not what you want to hear, it's like you haven't heard. Speak, I'm waiting on you. I'm waiting on you. Speak, I waited to hear you. Go and do this. I'm waiting to hear you. Go and do this. I'm waiting to hear you. Because you weren't expecting to hear that. Yeah. Now, it took a very long time for me to realize that I had passed that season I heard in my spirit, the Lord saying to me that the brand and everything that I had established, the Renekew brand that by God's grace had become a household name and all of that was so that women can recognize me as a woman they can look to, they can take advice from, they can go to a woman they can trust. And so it was like a whole procedure. I was like a step. Number one, you're supposed to do this, do this, do this. Now I'd gotten to a place where now it was time for me to drop that and move to the next level, but I wasn't willing to drop it. 
But sometimes to the next level, you can lose a whole lot. Yeah. You can lose a whole lot. To get to your next level, you can actually sink and fall and hit your head hard before you rise again. Yeah. That's what it was like for me. Of course, I'm going through issues with infertility in my marriage. So a very long time, all through that time of waiting on the Lord for the fruit of the womb, that was also when I was developing my business and all of that. But when by God's grace, I had a baby, at that time, I was not even ready to even go back to work. This baby I waited on for nine years, six weeks and three days. That baby has come. Trust me. I didn't get any nanny. I didn't want any nanny, nothing. I put work on hold and I said, I am looking after my baby myself. I didn't have nobody help. Well, my mom came, but she was helping me, but I was everything about my baby. I said, no, no, no. And I think it was during that time that I started to hear different things that the Lord wanted me to do. I started to hear women talk to me. With the day that I posted it, I posted it on Facebook. At the time, Instagram wasn't out then. It was Facebook. This was the caption. I remember I said, after nine years, six weeks and three days, the Lord has blessed my husband and I with the fruit of the womb. And we now have a beautiful baby boy sent friendly, which means miracle. And my goodness, my Twitter and my Facebook. And at the time it was Blackberry Messenger. Yes. Oh, it blew. The number of women who said to me, they are also waiting. The number of women who said to me, they've been having miscarriages. The number of women who said this and the people reaching out to me, telling me their stories. People asked me, how was I able to keep myself? When I hadn't told you, you didn't even know that I was going through anything. Because yeah. we are writing Ashwini Q. I was just writing my business, going for interviews here and there. If you saw me, you just think that everything was just perfect in perfect. my life. Mm-hmm. I was growing in my business, yes, but in my personal life, I was struggling with infertility. Mm. And that's another thing that people don't talk about as well. Everybody's hiding it. Very, very tough subject. Yeah. But I am willing to talk about it because there are certain changes in our culture. And I'm talking from Ghana. I'm Ghanaian in Ghana at the moment. And I'm talking about the culture here where anybody at all can just walk up to you and ask you, but aren't you getting married? Aren't you having a baby? What are you waiting for? Why? Don't you make love with your husband? What has happened in your bedroom? The clock is ticking. They can come and ask you such vulgar questions sometimes. Mm. This can be maybe your mother, sister's friend, something older woman. So this is your auntie. So you're just smiling and thinking uh-huh, and just giggling and just squirming within you. But you're breaking your heart. You're already struggling. Who said you're not struggling? You don't have to be reminded. Yeah. So I went through so much of that by God's grace when I had my son. I just came out and said, listen, ladies, don't let anybody put you down. God's time is always the best. You may not be married, but it doesn't make you any less of a woman. You may not have a child yet, but you can still have the most beautiful marriage. By God's grace, my husband and I have, have, and even through the difficulty, we've had the most beautiful relationship ever. Your husband should be your friend. You didn't get married to have babies. Yeah. You see what I mean? And there's so much so I mean, that just started. And that's just how I started talking to women and encouraging them. And I had butterflies and pearls before that was meant to be. Initially, I set it up to be like a networking platform for corporate women and entrepreneurs, female entrepreneurs. And I was promoting women, loving women, women being inspired by other women and not being intimidated by other women. And so that was like the slogan. And that's what I was using butterflies and pills for. But there was one day that the Lord spoke to me and said, what I actually want you to do is to encourage my daughters and let them know that what I did for you, I'll do even much more for them. 
And I was just sitting there and I thinking, but how should I do this? And then I heard butterflies and pills. So I was like, oh, butterflies and pills, really? It was something that I felt in my spirit, but I didn't understand it. Yes, it was for women, yes, but I didn't know what the real mission was and the vision. I thought it was for corporate women and let's love each other kind of thing. But really what the Lord wanted it to be for was for women who were broken heads and waiting on him to just come and just get some kind of encouragement. So I use myself. I tell stories about myself, difficulties that I went through, two failed IVFs, failed artificial inseminations, tons and tons and tons of injections and medications like four laparoscopies that I've had, all of that and all of that. And I just share it. Sometimes when I'm talking, I cry. It's so amazing now that I'm talking to you today and I haven't even felt that sort of, but you know, in also sharing all of that, it's helped me heal. That's true. It's given me strength. Today I stand on platforms, like churches invite me, huge conferences. I've traveled to conferences to go and speak. Sometimes I go and speak on business. By the end of it, this comes in. If we're talking about business, but suddenly I'll just start to talk about this and I'll relate it to the business. Next thing you know, the whole room tears. People come and say that they thought they were coming to a business conference, but really what they needed to hear was this. When I say your heart, if you're a spiritual person, the Holy Spirit will be speaking to you as well through your heart. And as long as you obey, sometimes you don't understand. Like sometimes you're not making any money at all. Like literally no cash to go and put in the bank. But then you are so wealthy in terms of what you've given Oh, I don't know if it makes sense. Yeah. But trust me, and that's just amazing. That's just too amazing for me. So this is my life right now. I have Butterflies and Pearls, which is a ministry, which is one that I use to encourage women. At first, I started it as women in waiting for the fruit of the womb. But I realized that there are so many mothers who are following me. So they are not waiting. Maybe they're already Yeah. So many other women. And I realized every woman is waiting for something waiting for a husband, somebody's waiting for healing, somebody's waiting to find their purpose, somebody's waiting for a breakthrough in their lives, which is just so many things we are waiting for. And the thing is, no matter what it is you are waiting on the Lord for, you still feel the same way. That same emptiness and pain is within you. Oh, yes, that's true. What you need to be encouraged out of. And so I've just made it like a general platform for women in waiting. Yeah. Whatever it is you're waiting on the Lord for, come. We are not going to be wailing and we're not going to be worrying, but we're rather going to be worshiping the Lord. Yeah. And that is what our mantra is. So we are not wailing. We are not going to worry. We are rather going to worship the Lord. And what the enemy does is he wants to put us to shame. He just comes to, to steal to destroy. I mean, he just wants to put shame upon us. Yeah. And sometimes to have you go through that period of wait, it can be a tough period of shame. Sometimes because of what you are put through, what kinds of questions and things that you are asking, it can be a strong time of shame. I'm encouraging the women to not look that way, but to put your head up and say that, listen, at the end of the day, my God, who is going to bless me with what I'm waiting for, will do it in his time. He will not give up on me. He's done it for far too many people. So rather than waste time, just crying every morning. Hey, when is it coming? What rather that time to worship and glorify? Use that time positively. Use that time to learn. You are crying for a husband. Are you ready to be a wife? Do you know how to keep a home? Right. If you're a housewife, a housewife is not just a housewife. A housewife is a serious leader. A housewife is a serious CEO. Sometimes it's better and easier to have a nine to five than to manage a home. Trust mm, me. Mm. I've been married for 16 years this year. And I know what I'm talking about. To manage your home, that is like a big CEO job. When I went away for a month sometime due to health conditions, so I was in the UK for over a month, 
my husband was in Ghana. He came with me and then he had to leave and come back to work. So he was in Ghana and I was away with my son and we're away for, oh, it was almost six weeks or so. So by God's grace, everything went well. And I came back home. And there was one time when I came back, I was lying in bed. My husband was in the bathroom and then he just came. He said, Renee, I have to say thank you. And I'm like, for what? He said, I cannot manage this place without you. It's not easy. It's not. It's not. No woman listening right now should put themselves down and say to themselves, I'm not working. I'm just a housewife. It's annoying. You're not just a housewife. You are the chief executive officer of your home. You are the HR director. You are the one who will get the many house helps that you might have to get and leave and get and leave and get. You are a top cleaner. You are a top chef. Listen, it's not a jest. And with women, we do that, some of us, on top of our jobs as well. Yep, that's so true. To be a mother is not easy at all. To be a good mother, let me say, because a mother is just somebody who's just giving birth. To be a good mother who is training your child, bringing up your child in a way that he or she should grow, it is not easy at all. Sometimes some good mothers are like going crazy. They are just like frustrated. They are stressed. The number of women that are depressed right now. Listen, Joyce, <laughs> I try to stop myself sometimes because I feel like I'm just rolling and rolling and rolling. I can just keep going forever. I'm telling you. It's encouraging your story. It's so amazing. I know a lot of people that will listen to it would be blessed because transitioning from being a banker to where you are now, from uni to where you are now, it looks like it was perfect all the way, but like you've shared in your story, you are going through things, you're struggling. So many people think when you're on social media and they see your pictures and everything, they're like, oh, this is perfect. She's living a perfect life. She's living an amazing life. I mean, she is, but then there's those other things that are going on that you don't even know what people are going through. And so sometimes you are commenting on somebody saying negative things and all of that. And what you have just said for women to be encouraged, don't let anyone put you down. Don't let even the likes or the comments on social media or even personally when people will come to you and talk to you, don't let them let you be down. Don't be down because of what people are saying, but go back into your corner and just speak to yourself. Just worship, like you said, worship while you wait for that thing that you're desiring from God. And that is so, so amazing. And people go through a lot and don't let anyone just bring you that. I don't even want to take out from anything that you have said, but I'm just being so encouraged by what you have said. It's giving me other ideas, especially when you talk about the branding. I'm like, okay, girl, you have to do something. <laughs> You just have to put yourself out there and do the right thing. Do it right. Don't use something just anyhow. Do things anyhow. Make sure you do it with standard. Make sure you do it with excellence and put it out there. People will be drawn to that because if you do things haphazardly, it's not going to be what people want. They'll come and buy it. They'll come and get you. They'll come and get close to you. But every day when they realize that what you're doing is not even, mm, it's just anyhow, they will not come back to it. People are looking for quality. People are looking for things that are great. People are looking for amazing things. And one of the things that I was going to say that actually drew me to you was the one-on-one. I think I didn't even know whether you were doing one-on-one coaching at that time. So I was just talking to you. I was just like, this is what I'm doing. I had just had a barrier breakers corner. I was just posting, but I was like, mm, things are not going the way that I should. And one thing that I remember on our one-on-one that is still stuck to my brain was when I said that I just want to throw light on people so that people will see what other people are doing and be in the dark, like be at the background and just be throwing light on people. And you said to me, you cannot throw light on people and be in the dark. You also have to be in the light. And I was like, whoa. That still sticks to me till today. Like I still remember it. (laughs) 
that's the encouragement that you have given to people. You have given to me. I was not even doing videos on Biobreakers. I was not even doing podcasting at that time because I didn't want to come out. But you were like, you have to come out. And so when I posted my first video, which I think the suicide video, it's one of the things that you encouraged me. You're like, Joyce, thank you for saving a life. You never know. And anytime you come out and do something, especially following your heart, when the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something, you will always do what God is saying. And someone is going to be so blessed. Someone is going to be touched by whatever you are doing. So thank you so much for sharing your story. Mother's Day is coming up and I just want you to just encourage a woman, a mother out there that feels like life is hard. I've been waiting for so long. I just want you to encourage someone. Well, thank you so much, Joyce. And I have to say, I'm so proud of you. Just seeing you grow. You are one of the ones that I look at and I feel that pride that I was talking about. I'm going to cry. Congratulations. And this Thank is you just, so much. You, know, you haven't even gotten anywhere yet. The next thing I know, you're on Oprah somewhere. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so, so, so proud of you. You've done Thank such a good you. job. I hope you come to Ghana soon or we'll meet up somewhere. Yes. Yes. I can't wait. <laughs> I wish you all the best. Please, please, please. Always never think you've gotten there. Yeah. Anytime you are there. See it as this is my starting point. Yeah. Anytime you feel like, oh, yes, okay, now maybe I'm on five platforms on my podcast. So like I'm doing well. Well, there's something better you can do. Yeah. Always keep encouraging yourself. Never get to the point that you think that, oh, I've done it. Yeah, I've arrived. <laughs> uh-huh. That's where you begin to plateau. Okay. I'm talking to the mothers out there. I'm talking to every woman, okay? Happy Mother's Day to every woman, not to mothers. Happy Mother's Day to every woman. You are a mother. Maybe you haven't birthed a child yet, but you have mothered somebody before. To the women out there that are such good friends, that are the shoulders that a friend can come and cry on, at a point, you were that friend's mother. To the women out there, that have just even handed over a lollipop to that child or they've just given five CDs or five dollars or two, three dollars to a little child and say, go and get a lollipop. You were a mother at that time because the child looked at you and probably even wanted to say, thank you, mommy. I think that there were times on Mother's Day that when I saw the day coming, I was starting to feel depressed. It was almost a reminder that, hello, Mother's Day, you are not a mother kind of thing. Anytime they would say, happy Mother's Day. And then I'll just think, hey, so when? When will I also be there? Yeah. You know, sometimes in church, when they call the mothers forward, yeah. you're not a mother, you are seated. Now, you're not a mother because you're not married yet. So you are married, you are trying. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that can be so, so, so heartbreaking. Yeah. When all the mothers come forward, you just had a miscarriage. And they are calling all the mothers, please. I want to just tell every woman right now, don't let this Mother's Day make you feel any less. Mm. Wish yourself a happy Mother's Day because guess what? You will be a mother. Yeah. Just because you're not a mother today doesn't mean that you're not a mother. So it doesn't mean that you cannot be celebrated. Enjoy Mother's Day. I wish you all the very best. And I want you to just love and say thank you to somebody who's been a mother to you. If it's been a friend who's been a mother to you, send them a WhatsApp message. Send them a note. Hi, Joyce, just to say happy Mother's Day to you. I know you are probably rolling your eyes, but this is just to say thank you because tell them, remind them. You remember when maybe I was down on this day and I called you and how you spoke to me and I cried. Joyce, on that day, you were my mother and I want to thank you. Oh, hi, Joyce, just to say happy Mother's Day to you. Thank you so much. I remember one time you traveled and you came back and you brought me a blouse. I just want to say thank you because that day you felt like my mother. Just those little kinds of notes. Yeah. Trust me, you don't know. You can be pulling somebody else of suicide. At that point, they were thinking, let me just swallow these 12 pills or whatever mm-hmm, it is. Mm-hmm. And that message came. 
ah, please, let's show love. Let's not try and use that day as well to put people down, to ask people, when will you also be a mother? Because sometimes that also happens. Yeah. Mother's Day, that could be the day as well that they're asking, but when is your baby coming? Mm-hmm. Day is not a day for you to go and now ask anybody's whatever, please mind your own business. Okay. Mother's Day is about sharing love. If you cannot share love, I'm sorry to say this, shut up. Share love or shut up on Mother's Day. And that's what I'll say to all the ladies out there right now. Happy Mother's Day. You will be amazing mothers. For those who are waiting, start reading about what it is to be a good mother, to bring up children. Start learning. Use this time to learn so that when your child comes, you'll be the bestest ever. I wish you all the very best with God's blessings, with the Holy Spirit, wisdom from above. I pray that the Lord will give you wisdom and that you start listening that's still small voices in your heart. Yeah. It's not in your mind. It's not your brain. Your brain is too noisy. Mm. Those small voices quietly speaking to you in your heart. Listen to your heart and trust. Take confident steps, trusting that the Lord who is with you, he will see you through. Thank yeah. you so much. Thank you too. And we'd like to say happy Mother's Day to all the women out there. Like you said, it's not just the mothers, but every woman out there, you're a mother. Even birthing a business, you're a mother. Birthing something, doing something for other people and doing amazing things is just being mother. You might not even think that, oh, that's not me being a mother. I'm just trying to help. But that alone is something when you have been able to support and impact other people. Thank you so much, Renee, for being on here as well. Thank you for the amazing encouragement, your story, and even encouraging me prior to me coming to do all of this. Like, I am so grateful. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Barrier Breakers Corner podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, share with those you think can benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to the Podcast at gmail.com. The Barrier Breakers Corner podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and executive produced by Joyce Donkor. The podcast music was written by Chidi Omenihu and produced by Andy Official in the Gambia, West Africa. Cause they-